Hello and welcome everyone to today's episode of Voices of E-Learning. I'm your host, J.W. Marshall with MarketScale, and we're so glad that you found us today. On this episode, our guest is Danny Hunter. He is the founder and CEO of Ivy Camps USA. Danny, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks, J.W., for having us. Absolutely. Thank you for being here. And uh, this is going to be a, a really interesting episode, uh, an area of conversation that we've not gone into in our 60 plus episodes so far. Uh, so we're excited for the conversation. Before we dive into some questions that I have, uh, Danny, if you could give our audience a little background on yourself and a little background on Ivy Camps USA. Of course. And the stories are a bit intertwined, as you can imagine. And I will start in Hanover, New Hampshire, where I attended a wonderful university that I'll recommend to anyone called Dartmouth College. And from there, I left with a startup bug. I said, it is time to do, do some good in the world, make some change, and how do we do it is by entering into the startup realm. Um, and I got some good advice from the former CEO of Uber who said, Danny, make sure you learn on someone else's dime. And so I took that advice. And rather than starting a company out of college, I joined one, and this was a solar energy startup where I thought we could make it make a big difference. And, and we actually grew that pretty quickly and to a, a significant um, size when I decided life was too short or too long, depending on what philosophy you subscribe to, to, to do this. And to really, I wanted to follow my passion. And what was my passion? It was summer camps. I grew up going to summer camps. I worked at summer camps for probably 10 years in high school and college as well and decided it's time. I'm going to start a summer camp. I mean, it's going to be my first business, and it's going to be incredible. Well, it was difficult, as you can imagine. We started what, was called, what is still called Ajax Adventure Camp in Aspen, Colorado, and it started with we had we scrapped to get every enrollment we could. Maybe it was 50 kids that first summer at the most, but within two years, we had over 500 kids. And we realized we created a, a, quite a model here. We, we gave a lot of choice to the kids. We really, really emphasized following their passions and, and, and the tenants that I feel summer camp brings to kids, which, which of course are gaining skills and they're learning. Um, but they get this, this, um, sense of living in a community that you can't get elsewhere, where then you start to learn things like tolerance and acceptance and above all self-discovery. If we can teach a kid to follow their passions and to really pursue life with, with vigor and, and excitement, then we have done our job in summer camp. So with that, we kept growing camp here in Colorado, had a couple locations, and I was uh, a bit ambitious and said, we need to, we need to uh, get more kids. We need to impact more children. And the most logical expansion from Aspen, Colorado is Shanghai, China. Um, I'm glad you smiled there. Thanks, JW. It was not the most logical, but I had some friends in China who spent a while convincing me. They said, Danny, if you're going to do anything with children and, and the way you're doing it, please come to China. You can have such an impact there. It could be such an enterprise, such, such a great organization, um, because the kids don't have what you're currently doing. And so I, I trusted their advice and decided to do it. Um, but you don't just, do something in China lightly or, or expand into, uh, into an international region. So that's what brought me to apply to business school. And my essay into Wharton literally was, we are going to 
create international summer camps starting with Shanghai, China. And for some reason, the admissions officers believed me. I don't know why, and they let me in. And for a crazier reason, we actually did it. And I spent two years at getting my MBA at Wharton, where every single class we were launching and getting ready to launch camp in China. The model with Ivy Camps USA was we were bringing the top U.S. students um, from most from recognizable universities like Harvard and Princeton and Yale and Penn and so on and so forth. And of course, Dartmouth, I had to get my alma mater in there. Um, and they would be the so-called program leads, which is another word for camp counselors in these regions. And we'd be creating an American style English immersion summer camp in various places in China, starting in China. Um, and it was a learning focus camp because that is what the demand is internationally, but we made sure to sneak in the fun. There was no way I was going in where the kids were going to be sitting through another school day. This had to be fun. We still had to have the water balloon fights and the slip and slides and the all kinds of games interspersed with some, some science and, and, and other educational, fun, hands-on activities taught by these top university students. It went very well. We, the first year we had, I wanted a pilot project. As you can imagine, a pilot's got to be small. You have to figure out how to operate. Um, I wanted a pilot of 50 kids. Like our first year in Colorado, well, we had 750 kids. So all of a sudden, I was, I was not dealing with children anymore. I was dealing with an international staff of 300. And the next year we had 2,000 kids. And then next year we had three cities in China. And the next year we expanded to Singapore and Hong Kong and Dubai, bringing the same model to these countries. Then, 2020, COVID hits. As you can imagine, that model is done. We cannot be flying Americans around the world, nor can we be gathering groups of hundreds of students in any one place. So we had a decision to make. Do we put everything on pause, or do we test something in the online space? Now, this is just just over a year ago, but it still was a foreign concept to most people to be doing anything educational in this scale in, a, in an online space. Nevertheless, a camp online. Um, I had not heard of it. Maybe, maybe you had, and I should have called you. Um, okay. <laughs> so you're, you're right to, to be skeptical of, of, or I was skeptical. Uh, that this concept could work. How in the world could we bring what I held so dear about summer camp, these pillars of tolerance and acceptance and self-discovery and, and community into an online space? We decided to test it. Reluctantly, mind you, I, I was very skeptical, um, but we decided to test it before putting everything on pause. And we tested it with groups in the U.S. and we tested it with groups in Singapore. Um, we launched week-long tests and much to my surprise, the kids loved it, and the parents loved it. We we finished the test week, and the kids would be like, okay, what are we doing next Monday? So guys, we, we don't have more camp for you next Monday. Sorry, but we promise you've encouraged us. We'll roll it out this summer. We promise we'll do it. And so we did. We scaled up. We hired extra curriculum developers from Harvard and, and various places to be really building some robust, great curriculum, and we launched in the summer. And it went great again. We had 98% of all the kids that enrolled, re-enrolled for more online camp. And we were shocked. I was shocked. Maybe our team wasn't shocked. Maybe they believed it the whole time. But I, I was shocked. 
And so what that led to was a few learnings. Three things really came out of this experiment. One, this idea of bringing this camp offering online was now infinitely scalable. Before, we were limited by campus partnerships around the world in operating our summer camps by flying students around and housing them, feeding them. We could grow, but there's limitations to that growth. When you're doing it from the comfort of your own home, we can really affect a lot of children and, and really have an impact that way, far greater than we ever could solely in person. Two, a learning I never expected was we had children from 40 countries participating in our programming, not participating separately, participating together. So when we were doing camp in Shanghai, for example, 99% of all the campers were Shanghainese. They were, it's a homogenous grouping or in Hong Kong or in Singapore, so on and so forth, just by virtue of it, the geography of it. Online, we were able to bridge time zones and bridge cultures and connect kids where we had kids from Abu Dhabi, kids in Hong Kong, kids in the U.S., kids in Mexico, kids in Singapore, all in the same group together, building projects, working together, learning from each other. That was a magical thing. That was something I never expected, and it's really heartwarming to see it. And they start to understand each other and learn um, about cultural differences. I, I truly believe the world is becoming a more dangerous place due to intolerance, people not understanding each other, um, and we're entering each year. It just, it just seems more and more dangerous. We can reverse this. If we connect these kids at a, at a young age and understand, help them understand that people are people, and no matter where you are from, you're still a good human being, I do believe we can make the world a safer place through these sort of programs. So that was learning number two. Um, that came from this. Learning number three was, well, wait a minute. Why do we have to do this in the summer? This can be all year. There is no reason we are just designated at 10 weeks from June, July, August, and then we have to stop. So we decided, let's go for it. Let's run after-school programs. Let's run school group programs and their holiday times. And so we did it and launched it in the fall. We had 500 kids in a pilot throughout the fall. We've over so far over a thousand kids participating in in these programs, um, and it, it keeps growing. and And right now, the promise is is really endless. I I cannot believe what the being forced to go online did to our organization, did to our thinking, and and really hopefully does for children around the world as we continue to grow. JW, I'll pause there because I could go on forever and, and see what, what else I should talk about. Yeah, so I think I have time for one more question. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, that was a great overview of, um, of your story and, and probably one of the best monologues we've heard on the podcast. So thank you for that. That's really inspiring um, where you started and, and how you took it to the next level and the next level and then how you pivoted during the, the pandemic. That's a story we hear a lot here on the podcast. I'm curious what differences in the the testing and the rolling out last summer, early in the pandemic, what differences are you going to have this summer uh, based on what you learned last summer? How is it going to continue to evolve and improve going into this summer season? 
That's a, that's a great question. And the biggest difference will be less improvisation. I have to say we had a stellar team last summer where um, basically we had an outline of a curriculum that they could run but said, you guys feel it out. Go, go with your gut. Bring in projects. Bring in your passions and, and run with it. Bring in the kids' passions. And, and, and they did a great job. That is not sustainable because you need superstars in every single instructor to pull that off. So we've been spending a lot of time with these professional curriculum developers making sure, yes, we still create the freedom within, within the structure so that passions are explored and, and it's extremely fun, but we make sure the quality is controlled. Um, and so I'd say that's the biggest, biggest difference there. The other is being very deliberate in connecting kids around the world. We want to make sure we're doing that in a deliberate fashion rather than um, hodgepodge, I guess, as, as we did it that first year. Um, and and I think overall just the operations are, are smoother. You can imagine when you launch something, it's it's messy internally. Maybe you don't see it from the external point of view. But now now everything's rolling. We can scale it much easier and and people aren't as stressed or working till two in the morning, making sure it's, it's going. Some people still work till two in the morning, but that's for time zone reasons. And that's, that's another advantage of having a really smart young college students is their day starts at like noon and it ends at four in the morning. So, so they can carry to the, to the Asian countries without any issues. All right. Next question. Is there a typical day and what does that look like? And if there's not, what would be the types of things in an online camp environment that would be similar to a in-person camp, and what are the things that would be different? Yeah, it's a good question, and I'll separate that into two two sort of product categories. One is the after-school category, and one is more of the holiday camp, including summer camp and, and spring spring break camp, or so on. Um, for the after-school, we're running once a, uh, five week programs once a week after school for an hour and fifteen minutes, and it, the kids are participating in things like uh, build your own business, as an example. That was that was one of the ones we started with a year ago, and it's remained in the mix where they're entrepreneurs and building their own business and pitching to sharks and and making commercials, which actually in the podcasting camp. So there's a, a podcasting camp which you might appreciate, um, where the kids are are you can imagine imagine as a a 12 year old in Dubai, making a podcast with a Harvard student guiding you, It'd be a pretty cool experience. And, and so they're making podcasts and the business students come in and they do commercials within the podcast so that these kids are meeting and they're understanding how the marketing works. Um, and so we have those after school formats. Those are, those are really for the younger kids and things like uh, learning architecture through Minecraft or urban planning through Lego building. And so everything's hands-on and fun, but we're able to make sure there's learning deliverables within the fun of it. On a, on a side note, and something really important about what we're doing, is sometimes in school, I don't want to say all the time, I've, I've noticed that you have a, a learning objective, and you design the learnings and the objective, and then you figure out, as an afterthought, how to make sure the kids are engaged. How do we get to make sure the kids are engaged in this? Um, given we have a summer camp background, we come at it from the opposite direction. 
we say, how do we make sure the kids are engaged and having a great time? And now let's insert the learning objectives into that. So that, that is our goal. Let's get the kids psyched on it. And then, of course, they'll learn a lot more because they are having a, having a great time and, and psyched on it. The summer program, the holiday camps, similar in theme to the after-school ones, but they'll be um, longer in duration and, and more you get more projects, more hands-on, more community building, more presentations and interactions. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great answer. Um, and that kind of leads me to a question that backs up to uh, pre-pandemic, if you'll indulge me for a minute. Um, expanding into China, expanding into Singapore, other countries, uh, do they have the equivalent of uh, an American camp there, or was this a totally novel concept for them? When we first went into China in 2016, it was extremely novel. Um, it was, I mean, that's one reason why our pilot balloon from 50 kids to 750 kids. We were pretty much the first to introduce this kind of a concept to to China. Since then, a lot of people have tried to copy it. Um, I, I heard from a friend, like, within three years, there were like 100 different groups copying our name and, <laughs> and trying to do it. There's no way they could copy the, the model and, and successfully bring out the students and train them properly. But in China, they, they have tried. Um, so in, in Singapore and Hong Kong, less, less unique. In the Middle East, it is, it, it, our concept was, is fairly unique. And there's, there's a fourth learning that we learned from going online that I didn't introduce earlier because it was a slight tangent, but, but it's relevant now which is when the pandemic is over, and we can talk about more about when the panic, pandemic is over later, um, there's, a, there's another model, a hybrid model, where we can have some instructors in the U.S. teaching online while still running in-person camps. What this allows is to run these camps at a lower cost. When we're flying all these instructors to China, it ends up being costly, and so really those in the upper middle class and upper class are the only ones that can attend if we're not without scholarships, of which, of course, we, we provide as many as we can. Um, and so places like Egypt, we had a bunch of schools in Egypt that wanted to run the programming, but the purchasing power just wasn't there to support us flying all the instructors out. Now we can create these these operations um, whereby it can fit, and we really can expand and have a much larger reach and impact um, using technology as as an assistant there. And that's actually, you read my mind, that was going to be my next question, is uh, the plan to go back to on-site or to stay with all virtual? And it sounds like hybrid is the year, is the word of the year in 2021 and probably 22, maybe forever. Um, you know, uh, some sense of on-site and then some sense of online. And then I would imagine some online-only um, opportunities for certain geographic areas as well. Absolutely. Yeah, I think you can still do all three models fully in-person, hybridized, and then fully online. And there's a, there's a place and a reason for each of them. The online one is so intriguing because it really enables, it, it increases accessibility to so many people, which would have never been accessible before, um, to, for, for a, a much lower cost, an eighth of the cost of attending a camp in, in person, we can connect these, these kids with these extremely bright young people um, as role models. I mean, how if if I had this opportunity growing up, 
to be working on podcasts with a Dartmouth student, like I want, I would totally jump on that. Um, because as, as I, as our staff kind of explains to others, um, and as we see who you grow up with and who, who you interact with really affects who you become, your, your friend group. I mean, I don't think I have to explain the science behind it, but it, it definitely does. So if we can help create these really positive role models for students around the world, that, that can have a, a massive impact. And the online way is to, to really, really be able to, to scale it so that we can have the impact that we want to have. But hybrid, in-person, still, still a go. Just too fun not to do it. I love it. And it's so great because through this pandemic, you're now even going to a hybrid, the best of both worlds. You have the on-site, but then you also get to connect with other students all over the world. You get to connect probably with more than just one or a handful of uh, these, um, you know, highly qualified student guides because you don't have to just interact with the ones there. Um, and, and I would imagine on the student side, you would have more access to students that may not be ready to take a trip to China or another country, but want to participate from wherever they are that summer, um, all over the country, I'm sure, and giving them more opportunity to really broaden the number of students in America that you can have as guides. You, you nailed it. And then the model we're literally just um, building right now for a launch in Hong Kong for this summer in a hybrid format is precisely that. It, you got it. Perfect. Um, moving uh, forward, I guess, how much time uh, in the online only is in front of the computer and what do students need? They just need a, a device and an internet connection. Um, and how does that interaction happen? Um, are they doing some things offline or is it all done online? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question with a, I can give you a half answer. Perfect. <laughs> they, we have plenty of activities offline. We want to encourage them to be, I mean, let's use build your own business as an example. They're putting together logos and, and brochures and, and commercials and all of this um, stuff that they'll be doing offline, assuming they're engaged and they're psyched on it and they're, they're raring to go. We kind of consider this homework, and we have a little bit of a philosophical problem with the word homework and forcing someone to do something outside of class because this is still supposed to be fun. And if we see it, if a kid rolls their eyes about, oh, this is something I have to do, we've lost. That's not our philosophy. The kid must want to do it. So it is all optional, but highly, highly encouraged to do the stuff outside because that's what you're going to you're gonna get out of it. Like if you're taking a guitar lesson, if you never practiced, well, you're not going to get a whole lot out of your guitar lesson. Um, the rest of it, of course, is in person. So the interactions, the, in, sorry, online in person, like, like you and I are. <laughs> right. Um, li- live and interactive with groups of six. Um, and the... the I forgot what's the second part of your question. I, I missed that part. <laughs> well, th- well, we'll keep moving forward because this is a great conversation. Um, and so it, it feels like the students, because you're making it about them and their passions, they would want to do um, extra activities, wouldn't even call it work, right, to, to continue their projects, to continue what they're doing. And I would think they would also have some um, built-in um, 
uh, commitment to their counselor that's spending their time with them that they would want to, you know, continue uh, building on these projects. Um, I've had the pleasure of meeting uh, some of the students in our pre-production call that were just blew me away um, with their passion for this um, uh, project, for this company, and for uh, getting this conversation set up for us. Um, talk a little bit about, um, oftentimes, whenever you give uh, in a situation like, like this, you get even more back. Talk about the student experience um, from these college students, and what are they taking away from this experience? Yeah, that's, that's a good point, because they're probably learning equally as much as the, the younger students, if, if not potentially more. I would say most of the program leads, which the counselors program leads, whatever we want to call them, well, for now, I'll call them program leads, because that's our nomenclature, they are interested in education. So they're, for whatever reason, they're, they have an education focus in their studies or in their passions, and that's who ends up applying to work with us. We get a lot of applications. Um, and I would say we accept maybe a quarter of everybody who applies. And you can imagine if you're the top university student in the country, you're also not used to rejection. So <laughs> it's a little tough sometimes to, to sort through and, and select literally the best of the best of the best. And these, these people are fantastic. I have worked with, I mentioned we started Ajax Adventure Camp back in, was this 2010, so over a dozen years, I've been building teams. I have never worked with a team this capable, this competent, um, and really this passionate about anything because they see the potential of what we're doing and how we're impacting students, and it's just the energy they bring to every challenge, to every solution, to every interaction is blows me away. I will give one example. Um, that that is actually uh it's it's from 2016 when we launched but it's illustrative of who works with us we launched 2016 shanghai china we flew out a group of about 30 students to be for our inaugural year we all arrive in china we enter a training facility and get in the room, I had just flown in because we were launching the camp in, in Aspen. So we're all jet lagged, but excited. We're in China, We've got our coffees. We're in the room. Welcome, game, summer camp. Yay, fun, fun, fun. And okay, guys, we got to get to work. We've got four days. We've got 750 kids coming. We have this many sign up for science, this many sign up for sports, this many sign up for English, and this many sign up for theater. Who's interested in science? Okay, you 10? Great. Go into that room. Who's interested in uh, theater? You four? Okay, that room, fantastic. You have two and a half days to figure out what in the world you're going to teach them for the next two weeks um, in the two-week sections. Go. And you could never do something like that with a group other than this group. I, I don't want to say never. That's, that's a, a tough blanket statement. But the fact that we trusted them to do that was it, it's just a testament to how bright they are how energized they are and how passionate they are about what we're doing. And nobody is in this for financial reasons. No, they're in it. We're all in it because we can have a, a tremendous impact on the lives of young people and, as a result, hopefully, the planet. So, so to answer your question, they are bar none the greatest people. I would not be standing here without them talking about how fantastic they are 
um, I would certainly not want to do it if we did not have have this group to to and they they do it all. I'm just here to talk about how fun it is. I love that, and I would imagine you're you're proud uh, of a lot of them as alumni um, of the camps, both as students, uh, you know, in the camps and students as program guides. You probably have a lot of great stories. Um, about uh, what they've gone on to do. Uh, I would imagine a lot have gone into Teach for America or teaching, things like that. Um, so that's really exciting that uh, you're providing this um, opportunity at such a critical time in their lives to help really figure out where they want to go and what the next steps are after college. So uh, kudos to you and your organization. Uh, we're, we're ramping down. You've already told so many great stories, but I'm going to let you tell one more. Uh, give us uh, one more story. It could be a, a student at any level, could be uh, another camp experience that was just something recent in you know last year or this year uh, that uh, can give our audience a little more hope as this has been a really energizing conversation for uh, the good things that are coming out of this pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. So, so we, here's a a brief story about a few kids that I was introduced to and their camp. This is probably uh, maybe a month ago at this point. We had a group from Abu Dhabi um, and a group in the U.S. that we connected together working working the camp together. Um, they were older kids, I believe 15 or 16 years old. Um, and the cultures, I, I have never personally been in Abu Dhabi. So I don't, and I'm fairly global. I have been, been all over the place, so I don't know that much about it. Um, I can imagine a 15-year-old kid in the U.S. doesn't know that much about Abu Dhabi and vice versa, the, the kids there. Before we went in and, and joined these groups, we kind of took a pulse about what they felt about the kids in Abu Dhabi, what they felt about the kids in the U.S., and what the kids in the U.S. thought about the kids in Abu Dhabi. And it wasn't favorable, I can tell you that much. Um, because, it, as you can imagine, what do we hear on the news here? Well, the Middle East is is a dangerous place, and so on and so forth. And the Middle East, here's it in reverse. Um, and so we 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 saw this coming, and said, well, if, well, let's let's make sure there's no cultural issues going forward. But but this is why we're doing this. This is what we're doing. Let's let's get these projects rolling. And it was awkward at the start, um, and the program leads had <laughs> had their work cut out for them. But by the end of the program, these kids were best friends. They were talking about visiting each other, going around. They were proud of showing their parents um, their projects. The parents were then interacting. They came in, said hello. They they're meeting the U.S. parents. Now that is creating that camp community. And that is what makes me so proud about what our team has pulled off by bringing this into the online realm is they literally created what I thought was impossible, and I'm a camp guy, I thought it was impossible. They created a magical camp community year-round, not just summer anymore, year-round community, and bridged cultural divides internationally. It, it was It's just heartwarming, and the program leads and the staff that was responsible to, to make it happen should be so proud. I'm certainly proud of them. You're literally turning the world into a camp, and that is really uh, game-changing um, and, and making a difference. This has been a really exciting conversation. I could go on for four more hours of questions. So how about we agree that we're going to have you back on uh, either this summer or in the fall 
to give us an update on uh, how things are going, how things are expanding, how things I'm sure will continue to evolve uh, based on your leadership and the leadership of all of the uh, students that you have working with you. It just sounds like um, this is something that uh, the world needs to know about. So thank you for joining us and, and giving us some of your time today. Well, thanks, JW, for having me and letting, letting us talk to the world. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And to my audience, thank you so much for joining this episode. Uh, hopefully you found it really interesting and insightful. Uh, we're uh, going to have a post on the uh, blog link here to learn more um, and certainly would encourage you to do so. Uh, check out past episodes of the podcast on our website or wherever you consume your podcast. And thanks for joining us. And remember to always, always keep learning.